0: For speed, down production,
1: take one.
2: Beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Zach McCoy.
1: And it is your boy, Tranv.
2: And we are your Oscar Grouches. And welcome back to the Oscaristy Podcast Thursday show, Acting Direct, where we take a look at the filmographies of Oscar winning actors who decided to take a turn behind the camera. And what film are we watching this week,
0: Zach? Well, let's read some books and talk about our feelings with the fellas down at the Tender Bar. <laughs> Tender Bar. Final George Clooney film for now. For now. Tender. Tender.
1: He does have a film coming up, though, right?
0: I I
2: think he has one in development.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought, too.
2: We could probably talk about that a little bit more after. But, for now, this is everybody's first time seeing The Tender Bar. No. Yes. No for me. Crab, I'm pretty sure our story is the same on this.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, uh... We saw that opening weekend on Amazon uh, Prime. Uh, yep, or, on... I'm sorry, Prime Video.
0: Prime Video. Yes, let's be <laughs> specific. Yeah, wanna... Prime Rib.
1: Prime Rib. It's tender. It
0: is. Falling off the bone.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I, uh, I saw Affleck get nominated for some stuff for this, and I was like, oh, well, let me uh, let me pop that on.
1: Yeah, I think, because um, this came out, you know, in January, so a, a year ago. Pretty much. Let me look at this date. What, what's today? The sixth.
2: Uh, it's the eighth now.
1: Today's eighth. the eighth, and they don't have a release date for when they dropped it on Amazon Prime. Oh.
2: Uh, January seventh. So January seventh. okay Almost a year to the day.
1: There, there we go. That's what I was getting at. I was pretty sure it was damn near close to a year.
2: It got it got the awards run on December seventeenth, twenty twenty one. So this is technically a twenty twenty one film. Uh, But yeah, it went out to the public on Prime Video on January 7th.
1: Which is weird when they do that, because I know that's what's going to, I think, is going to happen with the Pale Blue Eye, the Scott Mm -hmm. Cooper film. Because technically it came out in December in theaters, but Netflix didn't put it out until 2023. So I got a feeling it's going to fall, and not saying it's going to even be nominated for anything, but if it Mm -hmm. was, I think that would kind of fall in that same category that the Tinder Bar did, right? Yeah, probably. which is, I just don't think it should be like that. It's kind of like if you pre-order something, I I don't know, y'all may not know this about music artists and stuff, but when an album goes up for pre-order, they started doing this where all the sales, let's say they put it up for pre-order three months before the album drops. Mm -hmm. All three months of those sales count as first week projections. So really, they got three months worth of sales in one week. Mm. Mm. And I don't know. It's just a weird. They're doing it with movies now too, where they're counting that box office numbers towards its first week, even though it came out in select markets two weeks before. And yeah. I don't know. It's just a weird thing to me.
0: Little yeah, little funky monkey, <laughs>
1: <laughs> brass monkey. <laughs> she really weep, weep, me. Weep, weep.
0: all right. Well, let's
2: uh, let's get into an Oscar breakdown. breakdown! Pinderbar, not nominated but as i said uh i saw ben affleck get nominated for a golden globe and a screen actors guild award for best supporting actor which is uh why i got i I watched this the moment it dropped on a prime video uh because i thought maybe he'd be in the oscar contention sadly he was not
1: sadly he was not
2: because of all the things he's really fucking good in this movie
1: he really yes,
0: did. absolutely. I uh, <laughs> I kept kind of forgetting it was him sometimes when it wasn't right on his face because he really uh changed his voice up and uh,
1: changed his voice up.
0: Yeah, it didn't sound like it's, him. It sounded to me. like
1: him to me. You know, Some... if you kind of see him on talk shows, mm. I've definitely got a real. I feel like this character is more Ben Affleck than any character he's ever done. Maybe outside of goodwill hunting, uh, goodwill hunting. But I really feel like mm. this is the most Ben Affleck character.
0: you're probably right.
1: ever, because he's just exhausted. he's tired of life, <laughs> of living. And I get that vibe from Ben Affleck. like <laughs> the man's just exhausted
2: all I, the time.: I feel like Ben Affleck's just been a punching bag for like the last 25 years, and it's it, it, it can't feel good. No.
1: I mean, in all fairness, he's I feel like it started with the J Lo stuff, you know, when they first were dating. And mm. if we're gonna be fair, that was not a good time for Ben Affleck films.
0: It was not. Yeah, I mean but we're back with J Lo and back with some good films.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 J Lo's well, not getting involved in his movie making.
0: Well aren't they aren't they divorced again? No. They are I don't know. I haven't paid that close attention. No, no, I thought that no. I thought they were doing well.
1: Yeah, they're doing very well from what I, I've been reading on the lines.
0: On the lines.
1: <laughs> on the lines. On oh, the, oh, the line. of oh, the lines. Beep, 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 beep.
2: Okay. All right. Let's talk about this film.
1: The, I think Zach should go first since. Uh, I would
2: really
0: like to hear Zach's yeah. opinions on his ice cream bar movie. My ice cream bar movie. I was, you know what? The first thing I'll say is I'll pull out a Trav comment.
1: Mm-hmm. Or maybe,
0: no, actually, this is a Paul comment, I okay. think. Okay. The direction from Clooney here is once again, he's a steady hand. Steady hand. Nothing crazy, but it's serviceable and nice. But I think he actually kind of. I, I like the almost Scorsese type vibes with some of the shots, like in the car or, you know, <laughs>
1: right. at the bar.
0: He's, he's
2: doing a lot of like. Rapid push-ins.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That that are jarring
0: sometimes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, but he, I, Martin Rue. I don't know who this is who shot it. Martin Rue.
0: But I was I was liking this movie. Oh, he also shot Midnight Sky.
1: Yeah, I see that. Uh. But really nothing, you know, not the shit on him, but really nothing super noticeable. No.
2: Oh, notable. he did Harry Brown though. That's a great film. Okay. Have not seen that. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors
0: off. Oh,
1: no, I do agree with you, though, Zach, nothing, you know, I say that every week about these Clooney movies, (laughs) nothing nothing spectacular, just, you know, came in and did the job.
0: The thing, uh, the main thing about this film, a film that I feel is pretty darn good, is that J.R. Moringer, Mm -hmm. I don't really know a lot about him, but reading about him on paper... I'm like, dude, this sounds like an awesome guy. I love journalists. You know, Paul, journalist, doing journalist shit. This guy's one of Pulitzer. Love it. But for everything that's going on in this movie, there's not really that much of a story. I'm like, what makes this guy noteworthy to have a memoir? Um, What makes this story noteworthy to be told? There's not any, like, it. it's a slice of life of a life that's, interesting but not especially noteworthy as i'm watching it that's how i feel it's like okay yeah, I, i've experienced this i mean we're we're essentially looking at
2: i don't want to say riches but rags to riches right. uh it, hmm. it, it's a story of overcoming one's personal obstacles and uh, i i don't know that it's the singular most interesting thing but it is yeah. what it is yeah um it, I don't know. I, I don't know why Clooney picked this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. So for me, I mean, there's not a story as far as a linear specific story, but it's like most coming of age films that are just kind of like, this is my 20 year span of when I was born to when I made something of myself, quote unquote, which right. we never even got to that point in this movie. But he was on his way, you know, to make yeah. something of himself. Yeah. I love, you know, films that take part in the 70s or the 80s mm-hmm. where things are a little bit more rugged. I love small town stuff. Yeah. Not sure how small this town is in real life. You know, because right. it's Long Island. Yeah,
2: I was going to say, it's Long Island. And it's, but it and it's seems Long like Island, that, like, real close to It seems uh, like the area the that they live
1: in in Long Island. It's one of those small town. Everybody knows each other. It everybody has, goes to the local bar. Kind at of. least
2: has that, like, suburban neighborhood.
1: Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, you know, of course, you got the piece of shit dad, the hard-working mom who just can't catch a break, coming from a poor family in general, got an awesome mm-hmm. uncle. Ben Affleck. Would be an awesome uncle, yeah. And uh, and like I said, I feel like this character is pretty spot on to Ben Affleck in in real life, minus being poor. So, right, you know, I'm like, dude, Ben Affleck's an awesome uncle, and I don't know. It's weird (laughs) because Belfast came out the same year as this, Mm -hmm. right? So we're getting technically, technically, quote unquote. So we're getting. Two coming of age movies this year. Um, two, you know, obviously they're both very different, but they just do things that I love about coming of age movies. I don't know what it is about coming of age movies that I love, but I'm always into them, dude. And they're a fun time for me to watch.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and again, I I like the performances in this. I think Ty Sheridan so good. It's good. Yeah, I,
1: he can be directed, as we've seen the way Spielberg directs them in Ready Player One and. Paul Schrader directed him in the card counter. I thought Clooney did a real good job with all that. Being an actor's director Mm -hmm. in this. More so than maybe films past. Maybe because he was dealing with stars that didn't need his input. Right. But you also got guys working with Ben Affleck, who's been doing this for 20 years too. Who knows a thing or two about performance pieces. Yeah. So between him and Clooney, you can really focus in on all these other people that are And then you got the chick from American Horror Story, not to say that she's below Ben Affleck and George Clooney, but I mean, she's not an A-list Hollywood movie star. Uh, You know, she's been in some stuff, and she's notable television actor, but a television actor and a movie star aren't on the same level as we've talked about before.
2: Yeah, just ask George Clooney.
1: Yeah. (laughs) 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 Um. Uh, but he's an anomaly i always say this like you don't transition like george clooney transition no he's
2: i mean it's like him tom hanks and maybe a couple other people like
0: yeah at least from that era i mean maybe we're getting you know dude even in this
1: era how many people have tried to go they left the tv show they were on thought they were brian cranston's a good example brian cranston is truly known for Malcolm in the Middle and Breaking Bad. Breaking bad. Name mm-hmm. a Brian Cranston movie that is like, God dang, Brian Cranston. You know, there ain't none. He's in five minutes of Godzilla and he's got a movie where he pays a paraplegic that people trashed him on for playing a paraplegic. So I believe he
2: was quadriplegic.
1: Quadriplegic. Honestly, I don't know all the terms i just know he was in a wheelchair and people (laughs) were mad
2: paraplegic you you normally have you don't have a function of two of your limbs quadriplegic it's all four
1: all four man couldn't even move his hands yeah so
2: i saw that movie in the theater too
1: i saw that movie at my uncle's house in new england in new hampshire sorry and (laughs) honestly i enjoyed the movie it's fine
0: but, I never. I saw
2: the original one, which was really good. Oh, I, didn't even I haven't. I haven't seen that one. In fact, I have a TikTok saying I haven't seen that
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> and we're on to the next.
2: Um. Yeah. Uh. I was gonna say something. Now it's gone. It's just <laughs> gone. It's it happened. It's gone. Yeah. But. but okay, so I'm thinking oh, about Chris, this movie. Go ahead. I was gonna say Christopher Lloyd. Oh, yes, yes, like, yes, like yes. we were talking about performances, I wanted to
0: say something about Christopher Lloyd, and he's
2: hilarious in this film.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. But speaking of Christopher Lloyd and that household, I feel like it would have been nice to have maybe five or ten more minutes of direct interaction with some of the family members in the house. It seems like there's a lot of times where it just kind of passes them over, or they're having meals or something, or you know, they're part of a montage, but you don't get to know any of those people, and it felt. I think that would have given a little more life to the – the house and
2: yeah like experience like i understand not getting to really know the other sister and her kids because they're gone so quickly Mm. uh just just that feeling of hey they moved into a crowded house now they have a little more space um is uh, what's interesting enough but like uh the grandmother she's not even a character she's just there she's like set dressing (laughs)
1: And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't give a shit about her. So I really don't need to see anything else from her. We get the one or two scenes with Christopher Lloyd and, you know, he does the breakfast and, you know... He's spewing off conspiracy theories to the teacher, you know what (laughs) I mean? And like, cool, we got that scene. I really didn't need anything from the grandmother besides she pretty much was notable in the college acceptance letter. Yeah. Scene. But yeah, you know, she doesn't, because I really feel like it's those people, they weren't, not that he didn't love or care about those people in his life, but they weren't impactful as much as some of these other people.
0: That makes sense. Uh, you know, I mean,
1: notice, notably the uncle, and then when he goes off to college, the on-and-off girlfriend, and then his buddies. So I, mean, I,
2: I wanted to use the grandmother specifically, because she's part of the household. But yeah, like, yeah. I, I feel like we get to know Ben Affleck's girlfriend in that one scene <laughs> better than we get to know the grandmother at any point in this
1: movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the on and off uh girlfriend, Sydney, Brianna Middleton is uh, gorgeous. Absolutely. Man, I I hadn't seen her in anything before this, so I enjoyed that. Um interesting kind of storyline and plot line there. <laughs> but yeah. Lessons, life lessons.
1: Yeah, and his dad is great. The guy that played his dad.
0: Max Martini.
1: I know he's kinda he's in a lot of films, but he's never a star you know he's just kind of a piece and an ensemble mm. of a lot of things going on but dude the depiction of the dad i don't know if he's that much of a piece of shit in real life but my god his dad was a complete fucking drunk piece of shit <laughs> yeah oh yeah he played it so well
2: when when they meet each other at that restaurant and he forces him to order the same drink he's drinking. Mm-hmm. And before they leave the table, he finishes his drink. Like, right. God damn. That was a very nice touch. That whole scene was, was sad. Like yeah, just sad. watching that man exist was sad. Pissed me off.
1: Yeah. I mean, and then of course you got the scene where he called the cops on the dad. Now that's where it's a little bit fictitious that no, no real altercation happened, but, you know, compared to what probably has happened before mm. and the cops show up and arrest them like, yeah, right. That's not happening. Right. We know he called it said what, you know, he beats his wife, but not right now. And the cops show up and arrest you. Yeah, okay. We already know ninety nine percent of the time well, there's nothing we could do about it until he drags her down to the police station and beats the shit out of her in front of us, right here in the police station.
2: Right, mm. especially especially in a state like North Carolina.
1: So that was really unbelievable, you know. But yeah. it was still cool. He just like yeah. left the house. It was walking down the street like, yeah, <laughs> I did my job. <laughs> I thought that whole thing was very weird. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where I like, can suspend my uh, Dispreens- belief for a minute and hopefully and think like, hey, maybe that the, law uh, the daughter, well, and the daughter there maybe you know accounted for previous things and she had signs of abuse on her body or something. But right, you know, you're right. It wouldn't happen, especially in North Carolina. Fuck all that piece of shit dads.
1: But yeah, and then you know, <laughs> for me, the only other thing I really want to mention is how fun the end credits were.
0: Oh yeah, yeah I sat yeah, there I and watched, watched them all. Time.
1: Yeah. It so yeah good. So did
2: I. <laughs> um I I wanted to talk about the fact that William Monaghan wrote this.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, yeah,
2: yeah. O- Oscar winner for uh, uh the departed. Yeah. And that's that's just an interesting thing to have gone from one thing to the other. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially since this is like his third film since then. No, uh, he's done a what, couple two, more, but what's it called?
2: He's had five in between these two.
1: I didn't realize that he that he wrote body lies. So he's yeah. written for Scorsese, <laughs> he's written for Sir Ridley Scott, uh, he's written for you know Ben Affleck, and it's just like wow, you know. Oh, he
0: did. He wrote Edge of Darkness. I was gonna say he wrote. Mark Campbell, Campbell movie. <laughs> now i uh, might be mixing up. Now he didn't do uh you can count on me, did he? No, no, that, that, that was, uh, was uh, that was Kenneth Lonergan. Thank you, thank you. I was getting them except for some reason.
2: Oh but you wrote Kingdom of of
1: Heaven too
2: Yeah I still need to watch That director's cut because I hear that director's
1: cut uh, So I haven't You know me I have like my ranking list Of Ridley Scott films I only have like five left to put on there But Kingdom of Heaven is one because I can't find the director's cut And I don't They say it's unfair to not watch The director's cut Because the theatrical release is so bad
0: Mm -hmm. I have the director's cut Maybe I could borrow it somehow
1: your boy gonna have to ride on through <laughs> yeah
0: but Wait, what the fuck does
2: this actually exist what hold on a second here
1: Holy all right man. the
2: raw cut no uh i i just saw that uh william monahan's newest film is a film called marlo which is uh about philip Marlowe, the raymond chandler uh character being directed by the crying game director Neil Jordan starring wow. Liam Neeson <laughs> well this sounds this
1: like
0: 1995. hmm what'd you say Trap?
1: you said it's about Philip Marlowe
2: yeah the the Raymond Chandler character
1: right uh-huh that's crazy um, well, there you go you never see, know
2: yeah I want to see this now sorry I didn't mean to get all distracted no but by yeah that, but no there's <laughs> a
1: lot of there's a lot of really positive things for me about this film um it's not like the greatest film of yeah it's a, you know the year. But for this George Clooney list that we're looking at, to me, it's definitely up there with some of his best work. Oh, did I
2: rank this? I don't think I ranked
0: it. Yeah, I'll hold my final thoughts for the rankings. Um, But ultimately, you know, as I was watching this movie, I really enjoyed it. Um, Then like when it was over, I was like, all right, so what? I'll probably never watch that again because there wasn't anything particularly about story that makes me want to watch it again but mm. the the acting's really good and if it's on sure i'll sit down and watch it it's uh especially you know affleck's great um everybody's good but
1: yeah i i that's my i mirror that sentiment you know it's nothing that i would watch like pull out the dvd and watch but if it's so happened to be on television which it won't be because it's a streamer, <laughs> right? Um, I definitely wouldn't mind just hey there's nothing else to watch. You know, sure, throw it on the tender bar or whatever.
2: Yeah. You know, it it was one of those ones when I finished watching it last time I I felt kind of the same way, but here I am rewatching it. So you never know.
1: <laughs> Life works in <a> mysterious ways. <laughs> yeah.
2: But it's not Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus. I'm not sure anything can be Amadeus. That's true.
1: Well, all right. That's it for me. Yeah. Awesome.
2: Uh okay. Uh we're gonna get into our worsty judgments, and we're gonna kick off our worsty judgments first we're gonna we're we're all gonna rank this film, and then I need to talk about suburbicon,
1: oh, grab okay. yeah <laughs> you're right
2: yeah i I forgot to,
1: yeah, I feel like it, yeah, definitely.
2: whoops <laughs> uh, but uh Trav, okay, where is the tender bar sitting on your clooney rankings
1: so For me, I gave this a four star ranking Um, and I enjoyed this just as much as I did the first time, maybe even a little bit more because I was already familiar with the film. So I get to pay attention to other things I may not have been looking for in the first one. So first, I just want to go to my ranked for the year and I had it sitting at number 34 right underneath Hustle, the Adam Sandler movie. And right above Chippendale. So it's in good company. I did really enjoy this film. And if I'm looking at my acting direct, you know, Clooney, I have a sitting at number one. I think this is his best film. I understand not everybody feeling that way, but for me, because a lot of his movies deal with political matters and things like that, um... You know, this is just in my wheelhouse. It's a coming of age. It's a really good film. Mm-hmm. I He wasn't anything great as a director, but he wasn't a shitty director neither. He was just a, a good hand, like Zach said. That's and true. Ben Affleck's performance is really good. And I think Ty Sheridan has the ability to really develop into a really, really great actor. So mm-hmm. I think it's cool that this could be part of his filmography over the next ten years, and we see what else he ends up becoming involved in. But yeah, this is just sitting at number one for me uh, on our Clooney's.
0: Nice, very nice, Zach. How about you? So uh, this is one like right when it ended. I was like, that was great. I'm gonna give it four stars. Uh, and then I sat with it for about half an hour, and then I was like, you know, it was really good. But like I said a moment ago, yeah. You know, so what? I uh, maybe it's not the it's not a standout um, coming of age or biopic or whatever or memoir. So I knocked it down to three and a half, but I still really like it. And I have it at my number three behind um, Good Night and Good Luck and Ides of March. So,
1: Which is not bad company to be in either. Right. Yeah.
0: How about you, Mr. Workman?
2: Um, well, when I watched it last year, I gave it three stars. And I like it. I think it's a good film. I think it's real solid. It's a cute film. Ben Affleck is incredible. After watching it this time, I, I bumped it up just a little bit. Bit to three and a half, uh, because I, I, I just seem to enjoy it more this time. I don't, I don't know if I was just in a better mood or what, but uh, I, I went back and I saw my three stars and I was like, Yeah, I think it's better than that. Yeah, uh, so I bumped it up to three and a half. Uh, I have it down at my number five because I liked Midnight Sky and Monuments Men a little bit more. I do have that big tender bar spot for the Monuments Men in my heart, so <laughs>
0: uh,
2: no, I and and honestly, like, again, I think it's a good movie. I, I think, as Trav said, uh, Clooney feels more like a journeyman, and and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, uh, than he does, like, a director with a voice.
0: Hmm.
2: And that has a spot in Hollywood, and I'm fine with that. Like, I just talk about Martin Campbell. I get excited when I see Martin Campbell's name on things, because he doesn't have a style, but he makes movies I enjoy. So if he, if he pops up on something I'm like oh let's see what Martin Campbell's doing today
1: mm. hey but, some sometimes music musicians just need to play what you want them to play yeah not everybody can be slash and have a thing that they're right
2: for. there's not everybody can have that guitar sound that that as soon as you hear it you're like oh that's David Gilmore from Pink Floyd no yeah, matter yeah, where exactly. he is Brian May from Queen like they have a sound mm-hmm. but you know <laughs> There's plenty of look. I listen. I listen to punk music from the '90s, and a lot of it sounds exactly the same, and that's fine by me. But you know, every now and then, I gotta I gotta pop in Primus and listen to them do their thing.
1: <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> All right. Before we get into our overall Clooney conversation i need to talk about suburbicon because yeah. i'm really Disney. i'm really upset i didn't get to to discuss this movie with you guys because this movie sucks <laughs> <laughs> i agree
1: come on sucks
2: it was yeah. awful <laughs>
1: so you're saying clooney works better with affleck than he does with uh it's
2: not what i'm saying because i have monuments men above Tenderbar. um what i'm saying is we talked a lot about how Clooney would just aping Cohen Brothers' style in some of his earlier films. Yeah. And how it was like the great value version of the Cohen Brothers. (laughs) Well, this is like they scooped Great Value Cohen brothers out of the trash, and the Cohen brothers wrote the fucking movie. Yeah.
0: (laughs) At least half of it.
2: Yeah. Or, you know, they they did they wrote a movie. They Mm -hmm. gave it to Clooney, and then him and Heslov (laughs) changed a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. it has none of the charm. Right. Like it feels like it's a simple man and Fargo fused into the same movie. And it has none of the charm of either of those movies.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, you haven't listened to the episode at this point and and I'm going to listen. It's the first thing I'm going to listen to at work tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. You'll hear, I won't spoil it too much, but you'll hear us, uh, talk about the, uh, humor the dark humor that could have been there but isn't but because isn't of there, for the sure. way it's because it doesn't it doesn't have the timing it doesn't
2: have the patter down the way the cone like the coen brothers when they write a script everything in that script gets put on film they mm. have they have a clear vision of what they're doing
0: and they will not let their actors go away from that right and do they have like a very vivid acting directions like in the script that they write i feel like. yeah
2: like yeah. like there there's interviews from Fargo where the cast of Fargo are like, so we were in the middle of a line and we did like like instead of um and they stopped the take. <laughs> like, why'd you say like? The word is um.
1: And there's a few directors like that.
2: Yeah, and if 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 you were that precise and that on top of your vision for a film, and those actors continue to work with you, you know you're a really good director. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So so to take their words and give them to somebody else is a gamble in the first place. But someone someone like Spielberg, who did Bridge of Spies, which was also co-written by them, uh, manages to find the Cohen's inside of a Spielberg movie, which is mm-hmm. a really interesting way to look at that. Mm. um jolie did a film called uh god what's unbreakable or something it's not unbreakable uh what about the guy who survived uh, the the prisoner of war camp yeah yeah uh unbroken something like yeah unbroken something like that uh anyway cohen brothers co-wrote that script too and she does what she does with it but I don't know what Clooney's doing here. Like he <laughs> he's trying to make this funny and he doesn't have like a rhythm or a pattern to any of the the comedy that obviously is in this script. Well, yeah. that's cuz
1: Clooney's not funny and I've been saying this for weeks now. Clooney <laughs> is not funny. He there's not a funny bone in this man's body. I don't uh. think he's
2: an inherently comedic person, but he is a funny actor
1: i can't uh, i can't you, name you stuff where you still
2: I, haven't seen oh brother where are thou have you but again that's you still haven't seen that and you haven't seen return of the killer tomatoes
1: no i <laughs> but i tell you what i have seen i seen stuff where i'm laughing at Clooney, and i'm not laughing with Clooney. and that laughing okay. at you does not make you funny it's because you're just so bad at trying to be funny that i'm laughing mm. and that's usually what i get i like the oceans movies they're fine but Clooney's never funny when he he's Clooney says Clooney's
2: a straight man in those movies. Like he has a couple of, funny he has a lines, couple lines and a side. eye. that's not, funny. he gets outshined by the cast because that's kind of his role in those movies. Uh, cause being a straight man is the hardest fucking thing in comedy. It's easy for George Clooney. just cause he's good at it. He's that's cause really that's who he is. Hmm. But, but like, He's really funny in Burn After Reading. He's really funny uh, uh, he uh, in Alexander funny Payne's The Descendant. Yes, he is. He is oh, the he's... least
1: likable character in that film.
2: And that's what makes him so funny.
1: <laughs> I meant least likable as far as acting status goes.
2: Mm, I think he's hilarious in that film. But, anyway. okay,
1: well, can you say what you ranked it real quick so then I can kind of. I don't. I. I have to have you say that first so I don't spoil it for people, so then I can make my comments.
2: Okay, this is dead-ass last.
1: (laughs) Right, but what did you rank it on Letterboxd?
2: Oh, I gave it one star.
1: And this is why it's not a one-star movie. Is because I do think Oscar Isaac is real—I know he's only in there for 20 minutes, but his performance— is great in the movie and julianne moore is fucking wonderful in that film she's giving a shit egg sandwich and somehow makes it eatable in this film and the kid is really that kid's good in everything a quiet place ford versus ferrari that kid is great in everything that he's in
2: look and i don't i don't argue with any of those things but none of those things elevate this in Any way that makes it watchable, especially since my biggest note on this movie is I hate that there is a whole subplot about a black family that... Okay, I can't wait for you to listen to our episode because... That does nothing for the plot.
1: (laughs) I said... and, um, And I brought this up on our podcast, but there's a show on Amazon called They or Them. I can't remember what they call it, but I'm pretty sure it's that family, the, the black family that moves into the white household. And I'm pretty sure that's the family that that shows about. And I don't know why they're in this movie because it's, it makes no sense. It does nothing for the film. It's just there to be there.
2: Yeah. And and my my best guess on this, and I didn't mean to turn this into a complete Superbicon episode. This is why I'm upset I wasn't on the episode because I have <laughs> so many fucking thoughts. I had never seen this film before. Yeah. Um. My best guess on this is that this fucking movie was shot at the end of 2016. So we're in the ramp up of the 2016 election, and with trump and his stupid ass and his old make america great again campaign slogan they're like oh well let's put a subplot in this 1950s movie about how black people are mistreated in america america wasn't really that great for everybody when trump wants to go back to making america great like okay like
0: yeah and then they do a disservice to both halves of the movie by making it neither one good (laughs) yeah like either either
2: that story should be the plot of this movie, or it should not be in here because it's what, so that's, fucking that's clumsy. That's it's exactly so fucking said. clumsy.
1: See, <laughs> and I think I think that the Cohen's brothers wrote a completely different movie. And I think that those storylines were really well done together and they intersect and they took out everything that made them intersect outside of the beginning where they're just making comments about the black family.
2: Yeah. uh, Like the, the only thing it did for the plot was make the distraction so he could kill Oscar Isaac in the middle of the street. Like that, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) And then, and then because I had to think about that because every time we were brought back to it, it took me out of the movie. Then I had to think about when the one guy who's blackmailing them gets hit by the fire truck.
0: Wow,
1: <laughs> Where yeah, the yeah.
2: fuck was that fire truck going? <laughs> it was,
0: it,
1: it wasn't machina.
2: towards a fire. It, that's what I said to Leanne. a sex machina. It was the dumbest thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Matt Damon is like riding a bicycle
2: too. It's just. But it's the kind of thing like if if the Cohen Brothers had directed this and that had just happened, I might have gone with it, depending on what the Cohen Brothers are doing with this movie, right? But that fire truck just shows up out of nowhere <laughs> and it's not going anywhere. It just hits him and explodes. It's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, this movie is terrible. No, like I think the rest of his movies are at least somewhat watchable. this movie is. I never want to watch this movie again in my life, and I'm upset that, it, that I have watched it now.
1: <laughs> I'm upset with myself. What it, have I
2: done with my, my life?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I gave it a whopping two stars, and it's on the bottom of mine as well. So, But it's, it's the one film for sure where I was like, okay, I really want to check out and just finish this.
1: <laughs> See, that's how I felt with Leatherheads.
0: Yeah, I, I always felt that way. Honestly,
1: once I was kind of dead on the movie, but once Oscar Isaac showed up and that whole ch- chain of events happened, mm-hmm. it kind of revived me a little bit on, you know... I was like, okay, I'll stick around for this, because...
2: It's just... I, and I realized, you know, Oscar Isaac hadn't reached the heights that Oscar Isaac is at now, when this movie but came out. But he had out. still
1: already put out Star Wars when this came out, so, I mean, he's still, like... Force Awakens was already out. So, I mean... Yeah,
2: this was 2017.
1: He's definitely a bigger household name than he was a couple years prior to.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, you still probably get him for a decent amount of money, but I think it was just a waste of putting Oscar Isaac in that role. I understand why. You need somebody that charismatic to... If if somebody's going to show up in the middle of a movie, become a force of nature toward these two characters, you need someone as charismatic as Oscar Isaac. But it could have been. It could have been like a character actor that Clooney has worked with before mm. that wasn't Oscar Isaac. Because uh, I, I, actually I wish,
1: it. and I wish I could say this was Oscar Isaac's worst role too.
2: Oh yeah, this absolutely isn't. Uh,
1: you know, because yeah. we, we do have him as Apocalypse in X Men.
2: Oof, oof, oof. Well, those are my thoughts on Superbicon. Fuck this mm. movie. Peace He's and shit. Awesome. One star. Number eight. Not even close. <laughs>
1: Uh, all right then
2: and a massive bomb as well it was as it should have been rightfully so like anything with, i'm usually uh, anything with the coen brothers name on it it's at least watchable i
1: i feel like though the coen brothers name was not really promoted on the film and i feel like maybe because once they saw the film they were like dude we didn't even write this i'm honestly shocked the coen brothers just didn't say yeah you can pull our name off of this film
2: yeah, yeah, you could you could put Alan Smithy and because Alan this Smithy isn't there. even the
1: film we wrote. I like we all know this is not the film they wrote.
2: And, and I feel like there's still a lot of that film in here because like when this movie started, I had forgotten that the Cohen brothers had written this movie completely. So when the movie started, I, and like they killed the wife at the beginning, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I I guarantee you Matt Damon and other Julia Moore killed like had her killed by these guys, and this is suddenly just Fargo to me. So then I, <laughs> like about 30 minutes into the movie, I went on to IMDb to start looking up trivia because I was so bored by the film. And then as soon as the <laughs> Cohen brothers name popped up, I was like, oh, that's why it feels like Fargo. Huh.
1: Then you watch 10 more minutes and realize this is not Fargo.
2: It's not Fargo. Like there, there is no,
0: like far not... from Fargo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just bad,
2: bad, bad oh. movie.
0: Poor All right. Julianne Moore. So
2: uh, we we've come to the end of Clooney for now.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, which was my pick. It was just all of our well, pick. Yeah, we yeah. we each did a top three, like, and all three right, of right, us said right. Clooney.
1: But uh, I feel more responsible that I put us through all these movies. Hey, I f- I feel I like enjoyed. y'all had a better time than me. But <laughs> I, damn it, I wish yeah. I didn't. I feel like if I didn't have Clooney on the list, maybe we wouldn't have picked Clooney. So I I I I feel like. I, I enjoyed like,
0: half of these, and I really wanted to see Good Night and Good Luck and i of March at least, and they ended up in my top. So well,
1: you're welcome. Yeah, back.
2: I I honestly feel like going from Scorsese to Clooney, <laughs> like we should have had more of a palate cleanser in between the two. Yeah, uh, maybe because some should've. of these
1: are really bad Scorsese films. To be honest with you, <laughs> now that you just say that, <laughs> like Suburbicon is a very bad Scorsese film.
2: I, I think it's a bad Cohen Brothers film. Right. Like. <laughs> Like everything about it screams Cohen's, and mm. I mean, but so was Leatherheads. Leatherheads was like Diet Cohen's, and uh, Monuments men was kind of the same thing, right? Uh, it, it's just a shame because I think Good Night, Your Luck is such a good statement piece, and the fact that he hasn't risen that high, uh, second time is disappointing, yeah.
1: So, where do we go from here?
2: Well, uh, n- Sack, hi. Do you want to say what we're doing next? I know, and we normally do that during the wrap up. But since we've
0: come to the end of a director, I feel like it's appropriate. Yeah, to do. we're gonna we're gonna do a single scoop ice cream cone here for a minute, <laughs> and we're gonna go back in time for an Oscar-winning actor who only directed one film. And that's, I believe, he's a Sir Sir Charles Lawton. Yes, sir. Night of the Hunter from 1955. We're gonna watch. That,
2: ooh, I'm excited to discuss that film. I haven't watched it in a long time.
1: Yeah, I've never seen it. I never heard of it till it was on the list.
0: Wow, we've got some spoiler alerts here.
1: Well, I saw how uh, well received this film is online. Yeah, so you know, I'm definitely excited for it.
0: You'll, I think you'll see some things that you know once you get into it. If you know, yep. you know. <laughs> I'll hold up my fist. There you go. All right. Well uh Oh, I'm sorry, and by the way, that's on Amazon. You can rent it there, Google, mm. Voodoo, or stream it on Pluto TV and Tubi.
2: Yeah, it's it's free on Prime Video as well. Nice. Excuse me. All right. Well then, Charles Lot next week. Mm. But that's going to wrap up Clooney, and that's going to wrap up this episode. So, Trav, you want to let people know where they can find you on the media social?
1: Of course. I'm on the Instagram at ZK Audio. I am also on the Twitter and TikToks at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-C-K, where you can also find me on the letterboxes by the same. And finally, I saw it, Paul. I saw it. Who saw it? The classic, the 1981 possession film streaming on shutter right now and it was everything that everyone said it was and then some and that's very hard Mm -hmm. to do when something is supposed to be an iconic classic with all this controversy and all these banned in all these countries for all these years and you watch it and you go that's that was that movie but it delivers on that. It it delivers. And it is a top five horror performance from the main lady. Margaret Carstensen. I don't know. You know, I don't know her name. I can't pronounce it. I butchered it. <laughs> top five horror performance. She is absolutely and fucking credible in this film. Holy shit, she's good.
0: Yeah. Now I'm even more excited. I still haven't seen it, so Oh
1: my God. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Zach, how about you?
0: Well, you can find me on Critiker, Zach Master, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, TikTok, House Havoc, Letterboxd by searching my name, and Mr. Workman. Uh, you can follow me at Shark
2: on TikTok, where Joseph Tappy and I are covering all sorts of shark-related content. Uh, and you can follow me uh, at Father of the Fear on jesus christ my brain twitter and letterboxd where i keep a running tally of all the films i watched and last night i went and did myself a little double feature and that double feature was megan the new horror film from the writer of uh, malignant that film is incredible it's so much fun uh if you don't like campy (laughs) horror movies then you are a bad person (laughs) (laughs) Shh. uh never have I cheered so much for uh a doll killing people and I'm a I'm a big child's play fan
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah Banks said that that movie was everything the child's play remake should have been
2: it that is exactly correct like the child's play remake uh literally had that joke from the Simpsons uh where they were doing the talking teen episode of the Twilight Zone and they switched the doll from good to evil that was the plot of the child's play remake this is mm-hmm. this film makes way more sense can't wait to see it uh the other film i saw last night was a man called otto the new mark forrester film uh starring tom hanks produced by rita wilson and the only thing i can say about this movie is that uh apparently rita wilson just named her production company artistic films
1: i know that i saw you say that and that is hilarious (laughs) that is
2: i i cannot Cannot state how hard Joe and I were laughing when that fucking production tag came up.
1: (laughs) And I share your sentiments with um, what what was it, La La Land? But I am a big fat Greek wedding fan. Oh, I I love that first one. I love not so much the second one, but I definitely really enjoy the first one.
2: Uh, I I I was a big Vardalo's fan, and I was like watching that one episode of Boy Meets World she was on. All right, (laughs) well. Uh, why was already... that
1: pause so awkward and weird?
2: <laughs> I was looking at something, and I got distracted and made it weird, so I apologize um <laughs> We already discussed what we're watching next week, so Trav. yeah, hey, thanks for producing our show, buddy. Hey, I'm here. We know and we appreciate every week
1: you. we love you. <laughs>
2: But we would also like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We'd like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar Pod and on Facebook The Oscar Podcast. Don't so forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the all almighty algorithm.
0: The algorithm. If you give it five stars, you could fuck in a Volvo. Oh, Yeah.
1: Him, right? where
0: else would we be fucking
2: that's right i'm gonna go give this show five stars now
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh all right so for zach trab and the great max casella who has a nice role in this film i'd like for you all to have a damn fine day